everyone, welcome back to another episode of Almost Better Than Silence. I'm your host, Doug Coleman, and I'm here today with the other co-host, Brennan McCullough. And it's a special episode, an interview. In fact, we have Marcos Mena from Standards, the band. I've been, like, singing their praises for the past, like, years now. Uh, you gotta check out this band. But uh, super glad to have you on the podcast, uh, Marcos. Hey, I'm back uh, on this podcast <laughs> for the, the first, first time. time. <laughs> um, also, also, sorry, uh, I have my fan going. Is that okay? it's completely fine no sweat at all okay this is a fan friendly podcast then yes uh well we love our fan all one that many of them (laughs) 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 but no it's a joke uh but that's the thing this for anyone who's new this is a video game podcast but that's what i mean we have a very special guest marcos and i want to get into your background for anyone who's unfamiliar with who you are and your band standards can you give us a little background pitch on your band Sure. Um, so I play in a band called Standards. We're a little bit of a unique band because we only have two members at all times. So most bands have maybe like four or five people, but we have only two. So we have a drummer and me. I play guitar. So something that's a little different about me is that I use a lot of effects and stuff to fill in a lot of ranges that I can't really uh, play on the guitar. Um, so I have like a pedal that kind of drop tunes my guitar and it acts like a bass. And I've also been doing a lot of what's called two-handed tapping. So it fills up the upper and lower register of the guitar at the same time. I can kind of play it more like a piano. So it's been very interesting making music as standards with this setup. We have two EPs and an album coming out this summer, 2020, uh, on Top Shelf Records. So we've been around for about three years, and Doug is actually really cool. He made our first cassettes when we didn't have any record label <laughs> at all, and those yeah, were those, crazy. those are crazy. They sold like hotcakes, and then we had to make more cassettes, <laughs> and then we made even more cassettes. And he was so cool to do it all uh, very affordably, so that I could, uh, you know, pursue my dream. Yeah, no, I'm so grateful to have been a part of like your musical journey. It's been crazy to see like the first time I saw you was in a basement in Philadelphia. The next time I saw you was like at like uh, opening for Tiny Moving Parts at uh, I, I'm blanking on the the venue, but it was absolutely incredible. Like it was, a it was basically a sold out show. Yeah, <laughs> like, it was oh huge. My God. And it was funny because we actually had like a real venue for the Philly show, and then like the roof collapsed like three days before. That's right. So I they remember. Were, so they were like, "We we're canceling your show," and I was like, "Fuck! Like, what are we gonna do? This is like Philly's a really cool city to play in." And someone was like, "You can play in my basement." So we played in the basement, <laughs> and it was packed. I was I was like so scared; it, you couldn't move. It was crazy. It was super legit. Okay, and that's the thing for people that are new to your this type of music. It's instrumental. It's commonly referred to as math rock and i know i've said that on the past because i often promote missed out records and what i'm doing at the end of uh, our episodes with plugs and stuff and i'm saying oh i work with emo math rock and screamo bands people are usually like what the hell's math rock doug can we get it from you because i feel like you probably get this question all the time yeah math rock is it's kind of an umbrella term for a lot of different genres that have uh other niche areas so it might be more of a niche emo a more niche progressive rock a more niche experimental rock um and you kind of put all those all together and that's kind of what all of those meet so you're gonna have a lot of bands under that name that sound very different yes and uh, honestly as we've been continuing to go forward we, we don't really have that much math anymore a lot of math rock prioritizes what's called odd time signatures so usually music's in yes. four four so it's four beats uh to a bar it's pretty pretty easy to count all the music is in four four 
that is in America. So <laughs> math rock, it's uh, it's a lot of five eight. So you have five beats, five quick beats instead of four slow ones. Seven eight, thirteen eight. Uh, you you, you know, there's a lot of really crazy uh, counting, and it switches up really fast. The tempos also change a lot. So there's a lot of bands that do that uniformly, but there's also some bands that kind of just stick to one or two time signatures. Um, but they have a lot more of what's called polyphony. So there's a lot of different things. It, it's basically for music nerds like me. Uh, so Definitely. I think a lot of real nerds will, will enjoy math rock because it is the music version of nerd subculture. Yes. It's just in general complex music in my opinion uh and it's very fun to listen to your music's uh been such an incredible source of uh fun uh, i feel like you have like a certain vibe with the music you give off and in fact you've created this following of uh fans that are very focused on fruits and sharks like where did that all what? begin and how did you well that's the thing uh if you want to follow standards on facebook that's standards fruit posting for instance it's a, a really fun oh. uh group to be a part of but like where did your love of fruit and sharks be begin and how did that become like a forefront of your band i've i've always loved sharks and fruit like i was like obsessed with bananas when i was like five and like i was obsessed with sharks like i knew all the sharks and like everyone in my life was a different shark so i'd be like you know when i was like six i was like to my dad i was like okay you're the tiger shark to my mom i was like you're the, you're the nurse you're the nurse shark and I just like had all the like the hammerhead shark was my favorite because the great white it's like great white's a little overrated okay he's like really big and muscly he reminds me of like the dude at the gym it gets all the girls it's like yeah he gets all the girls but he's like you know anybody could be him the hammerhead shark is really smart and it's really sick <laughs> I could talk about them a lot but uh, more importantly with the fruit thing um, I always wanted to do something with fruit with music like some sort of imagery or something and so the band is instrumental there are no lyrics so. When we were thinking of album art to do, we had always wanted to, well, I had always wanted to do something with fruit and I'd always, I brought it up. And at one point we were even thinking about naming the band after like a fruit or something. So we came up with this idea for like a fruit ring. So it'd be all these, these fruits kind of like hovering around the name standards, right? And that was something that people really liked. And so we kind of went with it because we were like, this, this is great. We always want to do this anyways. So now we can do this. And it's like sick. It's like something we actually want to do. And then for our second release, we had uh, this anamorphic fruit guy. He's like a watermelon. And he was like kind of dancing. Yes. He was dancing on the album cover. And that was like really cool because when we came out with that, I think there may be like 10 or so people that got tattoos of that album art. And I was what? like, this is, that's so cool. I was like, this is sick. And even we when we toured with Tiny Moving Parts, there's another band called Fredo Disco. Um, who is, you know, yes. the front man is Fredo Disco. He got a, a watermelon tattoo on his arm. And that's amazing. He has like no other tattoos there. So it's really funny because he just, he just has that forever now. Uh, so <laughs> it's, it's kind of a cool rallying point. And like you said, fruit posting, that was actually not started by anyone in the band. That was just like a fan who made it. They were like, I'm going to make standard yes. fruit posting. And now it has like 2,000 people in the group and they always post about fruits and sharks and like new music. So it's really cool. It's, it's a nice, it's a nice safe space for people to come and talk about, just be themselves. Exactly. That's what I guess I was failing at uh, expressing earlier is just like how good the vibes are in this community that you've uh, built. And I feel like 
it like did you anticipate for your music career to explode in the way it has like it, i feel like as a fan of yours seeing you grow it like started with like viral videos of you guys uh covering the cantina theme or, or like cowboy bebop and all these other uh videos or even more or less like complex uh a Bach and Beethoven covers on guitar that are just mind blowing. Are you having two guitars, one in each hand and you're tapping? Like, I feel like those videos probably established your core following. And then now it's, yeah, you're signed to top shelf records with uh, your first LP on the way. Like I, I'm, I guess my question is, did, did you ever anticipate it to go this far? No, I mean, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like I, I, I don't know. It's, it's weird because, uh, you know, I went to art school for the purpose of becoming a musician. I, I went to regular school, like, like real school, I guess. And I, I was studying business and I was so, I was so bad at it. Like I was just failing all the time. And all I would do is just like in class, you know, look up, uh, videos of people playing or like looking at how I can improve my guitar setup and then get back to the dorm and practice a bunch. And. Then after doing that for a year and a half and just failing miserably, my mom just like chewing me out like you wasted this tuition money. You have like basically no credits. You have no direction. I'm just like, well, I mean, I've been doing this music thing for a while. I could just go to music school and see how that works. So when you're in music school, um, it's like all the time music, like every day. And like, especially if you choose that, you can sign up for just so many things to do so in my first year I, I i went to cal arts and in my first year um i was just doing so much it's it's right north of la so you're you're pretty close and so i was signing up for just like any opportunity so like i started someone just uh messaged me from uh from la and they were like hey my friend uh my friend needs like a guitarist or something in this indie band so i was like yeah i'll do it and then i was playing with her for a bit and then her friend was like, hey, I need a guitarist. Can you play for me, too? And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And then her friend was like, hey, I need a filling guitarist. Can you do this? We're going to play on like a rooftop or something. I was like, yeah, I'll do it. So I was just saying yes to everything. And I was just like, I'll just throw things at the wall until it sticks. And I was hanging out with people like all of them wanted to be famous. They all wanted to be like the next big thing. And I was like, if I just hang out here, something will happen. I, I was very unsure of what I even wanted to do in the first place. But I was like, you know what? I could do this. So I'm just going to keep doing it. And uh, yeah, it was just like ridiculous. Like I would drive two hour round trips to and from LA four or five times a week, just doing rehearsals for anybody, like any gig, I would take it. And then I'm going to school full time. So I'm doing like music theory homework on the way to and from rehearsals. I'd be doing ear training homework. So I had to pass four levels of ear training, which if you don't know what that is, it's like, you know, starts with um what interval is this and then you have to do it by ear and then you have to sing arpeggios and chords and then it ends up with like transcription where you have to they they play you like a piece on piano and you have to write the whole thing perfectly on manuscript and then if you don't pass that you fail out of you flunk they flunk you out of school you can't like pass so good god like it was it was a crunch time and so out of doing that for six months i was just like i cannot fucking do this anymore (laughs) like i can't i was just i was so desperate just to get something going and so i was like i need to i need to do some original projects because this is this is not making me happy i'm just playing for a bunch of people 
I feel like, you know, I thought their music sucked, but I thought all music that I thought sucked was popular, so that I should just keep doing it, but that's when I figured out, like, sometimes when music sucks, it just sucks. It's not popular at all for anybody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that's, no one likes it. The truth. <laughs> so out of that, like, a bunch of projects came out, so I started, like, an indie band, and I, I joined someone else's other indie band, which I really liked. Um, and those were like my two main projects. And I was really happy with those. And then as like a side project, I started standards with someone from school. Oh, wow. And that was not my main, that was not my main thing at all. I was really interested in it, but I was like, I was like, I, I need to get serious here. Like this is, you know, this is, this is like, you know, a really expensive project just to be living in LA and like going to art school and all this stuff. And uh, on top of that, like, they would have guests come in from school and they would always talk about like, yeah, man, when I graduated from CalArts, man, it was a rough like couple years. And I'm like, dude, I don't want that to be me. Like after I graduate from here, <laughs> yep. I'm just like unemployed and it's like I'm like 16 again, Oof. except for, you know what I mean? Like it's just like, yeah. I'm not going to do all this for nothing. Like I'm going to try to like do something with this. And so standards was a thing that I was having like the most fun doing, but I was also like, oh, I can't like. You know, I can't uh, really do this. I don't even know who does this for a living. Like, it'd just be like a thing I'll do for fun. So it was basically just a fun project for about five months. And then we kind of started getting a little more serious because it was like, all right, well, we basically we put up this cover. Uh, and I know you alluded to some other covers we did. That all started because we covered a band called Covet. And they're actually a pretty well-established math rock band. And our cover, yes. our cover was pretty spot on, I guess. Because people really liked it. You guys also did Chan, if I'm not mistaken. That was really good, too. A cool, unique, uh, d- your, like, special hand-tapping rendition of it. Right, right. That was, but that was, so that was all later. That was later. And uh, but we started with, okay. started with the covet thing. And people really seemed to like it. And I was like, hey, like, I think we're on to something. I think we should, like, at least put out a record and see how it does. So I wrote a bunch of stuff. And I was like, okay. And uh, this kind of started a theme of, like, writing stuff I can't play and then figuring out how to play it. And that's kind of like <laughs> how I would do it. So it was never, I could never play anything that was like in the band. It was like, I'd always write it first and then be like, huh, that's going to be really hard to play. And then I like figured it out. Um, <laughs> wow. and, that, and so that was the Chom thing. So um, yeah, like before we had released music, really, we didn't really have anything on the internet. So um, we were like, you know, we did really well with that Covet uh, cover. If we did a Chon cover, I think people would really like it too. So we were thinking about like what song we could cover, and I didn't even know Chon at the time. Uh, so we hit their most recent record, which was Homie, and we hit the first track yeah. uh, called Sleepy T, and I was like, okay, we could do this. So that's the only Chon song I knew for a very long what? time. That is so crazy. <laughs> so um, what I did was I found the Guitar Pro version online, and Guitar Pro is a... F- is a f- um, it's a program that uh, has guitar tablature, which is like a special form of notation that makes it actually a yeah. lot easier to read guitar um, stuff. It's like its own specialized sheet music. So you can write it all online and people can share that. So somebody already did the work for me in writing it all out, but it's both parts. So there's only one guitar. So what I did was I made a third part that aggregated the two. So I kind of compiled the two into one take, like one part. And then I yep. spent a month every day like two or three hours just learning that one thing that i wrote and it was wow. it was miserable it was i'll never yeah, I can imagine. That was terrible <laughs> yeah i was just awful just like every day you playing along to the recording and it's like these two guys and they're just like they're having a great time playing the songs it's two of them and then me 
I'm like miserable because I'm having to play both of their parts at the same time. And I was just like, this, but this I love sucks. the <laughs> process behind it of how you like piece those puzzles of, of together to formulate how you're going to do your composition. It's really impressive. Uh, there's no denying it. It's interesting because you said so you started out by saying yes to everyone and just playing in everything. And I was wondering, oh, is that going to burn you out on music? And it sounds like it kind of did where you were sick of playing songs that weren't yours. And then when you're writing your own song, you're still saying yes to everything, but it's saying yeah. yes to what your brain is saying that your hands can't do. So you're just saying yes to it, and you're like, oh shit, I gotta do this now. Yeah, well... <laughs> but it's cool, it's like you you just constantly push yourself, and then... What I'd, always, what I'd always think to myself if I was really stressed out, like in school, it's like, you know, I'd have a test the next day, and I'd be like, you know what, in 24 hours it's gonna be over. But I should at least, you know, it'll all be over at some point. You know, it's like whether I'm learning that Chan song, it's like in a month, this will all be over. I should just like just do it. And like, you know, if I fail and I really, really fail, then okay, I learned, you know, I tried. But if I really succeed and I end up like putting in the work, then it's like it's done. Yeah. So for me, that was like so for the first year of like doing the band, it was like that was the the motivator. So writing the EP was miserable because it was just like I had never done that before and a lot of the parts were really hard they're still like probably the hardest stuff I've ever played and I, I just <laughs> consistently get easier yeah. now with it because <laughs> I do that to myself so I'm like I just I had just turned 20 I had just turned 21 we released the EP and we did a show in LA and a lot of people came and I was like wow this is like really cool and we had set up a tour a couple months before, and I had never booked a tour. I didn't even know how you book a tour. Um, the other guy in the band at the time had done a tour, but it was very, like, it was kind of a silly tour. Like, one of the stops was, like, a donut shop, and he's like, yeah, we can always play at this donut shop. Nobody bought anything <laughs> from me, but, you know, I got free donuts, and I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I yeah. want to go all the way there to play for nobody and get free donuts. So it was like, booking that tour was was really hard because uh, we had like split up the cities basically and I had never booked a tour so I was like emailing people just being like hey um I play in this band and uh, <laughs> we're not having music yet haha <laughs> but um yep. uh, could you let us play there uh <laughs> yeah so we had the sleepy tea cover that was it so uh there like some places really bit they were like oh this is really sick and like I think they would do pretty well here um and then other places like we got nowhere and we like We'd either just, like, play at someone's house or, like, you know, something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, push through for the EP. Oh, I forgot to mention, I mixed the first EP because we had oh, no money wow. to get it mixed. And I didn't, I, I, I didn't, I hardly knew anything about mixing either. So I was, like, learning as I was going. So I'd, like, watch a couple tutorials and be like, oh, cool. Okay, so let's see if I can <laughs> set the compressor right on the kick drum. And I, like, oh, I'm, like in, I'm, like, in finals week around this time. And I was like mixing it. I was mixing it in my closet that I had at the time because it was like just big enough to fit like a computer and speakers. And I was like, I should probably mix in here. It's probably the quietest. And that's insane because it sounds it sounds so incredible though that of knowing that you didn't really have that much experience in mixing. Um, yeah. Well, and that's a question I had for you, knowing that you mentioned Covet. Uh, and how there's been uh, uh there's currently only two members of standards who is the other member of the band at this time because i know you've went through a couple of drummers throughout the years yeah um it's kind of up in the air right now just because oh, okay. uh current circumstances 
we were supposed to do a tour, and uh, Brody from the band Seder, a uh, really cool band, yeah, like like Follow Troy stuff. Uh, he was supposed to do it, um, and he still wants to do it, but it's like he also is a part of a bunch of different projects. So as far as like what's always been the case, and I guess I was kind of getting there in the timeline if I was, uh, but anyway, um, just the short of it is just like we're not touring, uh, we're not really doing uh, very much in terms of like having to do a live performance, so I don't really have like a set person yet that's understandable um, okay and i can get into that later yeah for that people makes sense. unfamiliar yeah i gotcha but uh, i guess we can pick up where you left off but things were like picking up steam like i guess another question i had for you was like when did like just shit get real for you where you're like oh man i'm gonna be playing overseas and like just like when did like the snowball really start to get big yeah yeah i was i mean that's that's uh kind of where i was le- i left off in the the story because we put out the ep we did the small tour and i was like okay that's gonna be it and so the the other guy at the time uh jacob he worked in china like he huh. he taught um he taught like software to chinese kids or something and he didn't speak chinese so i thought it was really odd but um huh. he we did that we did the tour and the next day he was also like a very hard worker i think we both were like very much like pushing each other uh and he like booked the whole tour so that the next day he could leave on a flight to China. So I like, we drove home like the night of our last show and then I dropped him off and then I didn't see him for like, you know, a while. Like he just left. So it was like, okay, got to write, you know, EP number two. And the whole time, the whole thing had kind of been festering online in like these Facebook groups. And so for like promo, we had done a lot of these like viral videos, like Doug was talking about, or just like videos we thought were funny we thought they were like people would like them. They rocked. And yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just, it was like <laughs> us being goofy. Um, Jacob bought this Hello Kitty drum set yes. for children. <laughs> and he was like, he was like, yeah, I, I'll just, I'm going to rock this shit. And everyone's going to freak out because I'm playing this children's drum set like a maniac. So we picked like our hardest song. And I also had a guitar at the time that was like $90 guitar. And I, I thought it was, it was rad. Like it was just really cool to, to play so we had these like children's instruments essentially and we're just doing these insane <laughs> insane things that, like I, now it like, makes me like shudder just think about trying to do that now but he, he we did we, that was like our first i guess viral video it got like so much attention on facebook we i think overnight we got like another two thousand likes on our page or something i was like oh this is really cool definitely and, um yeah, so I mean, you know, the summer kind of goes by. Um, we actually do open for that band Covet that we covered six months prior. That's so really insane. Cool, That's because they amazing. they knew about us from the cover. So and that was a sold out show. So that was our first ever sold out show that we played. Wow! And that was really cool. And then a couple months after that, that's when things started to get real because we started touring more, and we had done like our second or third tour, and people were. You know, on a Monday night, we had like a crowd of like 100 people. And I was just like, this is absurd. Like, this is unreal. Because I had played with bands that had real, like, had real backing. I played in a band uh, whose manager was the My Chemical Romance manager during Black Parade. Oh, wow. wow. Like, he was like, he was like the real deal. And he was like, I remember it was like just a grueling, grueling experience playing in that band because 
we would do these rehearsals uh, to in-ears, which are basically like uh, headphones, or like special headphones um, that are isolated. And uh, it feeds you like all of the backing tracks, all the stuff that's not being actually played and a click track, which is a metronome, like a perfect time thing. And yep. so you, you feel like you're in the studio while you're playing, which is like very, very stressful. And he would come and he would watch our performance and we would be hooked up to this like uh, multi like this like multi output thousand dollar system backing tracks like all this stuff and he would just be like yeah this sounds bad you guys have to practice for another couple days it's just not it's, you're not ready for tour and Oof. it was like it was like that was like a real band to me we were like college kids messing around with like not a proper setup of a band it was like two people <laughs> so yeah it was like so that was crazy to me and then um so, yeah, we, we booked our very first overseas thing because there was a festival in the UK called Arctangent, and they're pretty much the only uh, big festival right now for music that's specifically, like, uh, odd-timed, alternative, underground stuff. So that was, like, specifically just for that. And we emailed them because we thought we should we should try to do this. This is really cool. And funny enough, like, we emailed them and we got a response, like, a few days later, and they're like, we were going to email you anyway. So I was like, oh, <laughs> what a that's really cool. That's amazing. Yeah. And so that's that's in Bristol in the UK. Oh, so we're nice. like, cool, we got to figure out how to get to Bristol. That's going to be uh, interesting. Like, literally a few months prior, we had been touring in a Prius. <laughs> uh, and, like, eating sandwiches out of a cooler. It's like, cool, now we're going to go overseas. A pr- that's that's amazing. Go well. Prius can cross the Atlantic, so, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> but that's that's when it started getting really serious. I think around the time we made the second EP, because the first EP had come out. So this, so this had been. I think we went into the studio a couple months after, and I had split with Jacob at that time. Um, and actually, the drummer of Covet, uh, I was like at the time I already had the studio time booked with a guy named Eric Palmquist, who's kind of a big deal down here. Um, we emailed him, and he didn't reply for like several months about book like recording at his studio and the reason we chose him was because we looked at his credits and he had done sean which is that band we covered he did polyphia he did the mars volta he did oh, thrice wow. he did a bunch of pop rock bands like bad sons and and all that stuff it was pretty crazy and the the studio slot he gave us was january 2nd and 3rd which is like dead time for a studio usually mm-hmm. so we were very lucky and he was like i, I can't book you i can't book you guys any time after that for like three or four months wow like, oh he's he's booked he's booked six months in advance at that point so i was like cool um <laughs> so we had to do the studio time and i i couldn't really not do it so i i talked to the drummer of covet named forest i was like hey we have five weeks to learn a whole ep would you want to do it with me and go and record with this cool guy and he was like yeah so around that time it started getting really serious because um i decided that standards was going uh we were going all around the country it was going to be a a multi-state tour our very first one because we live in california so you can just tour in the state exclusively like if you're on a budget i'd say california is like one of the best places or like the east coast around philly where you live i would say that's probably one of the better places to start just because it's like pretty pretty low stakes but i was like all right i'm gonna tour all over the u.s with this new ep and it's gonna be sick and that was insane because remember how I had like barely booked a tour before? <laughs> yes. Well, now I was booking 
in other states and countries. And I was like, this is cool because we wanted to do Canada, too. And so I'd be doing that while I was in class because some classes allowed you to have your laptop. So I was like, cool, I'll just bring my laptop in and I'll just book the tour, the whole task. So it really helped. Like I got, I was able to, <laughs> I was able to, to do that. And that was like the first moment where it was like, oh, this is like, this is going to be like a very big part of my life. Yes. Because a lot of people really uh, got into the second EP. The first EP went over really well online. And then the second one, had like a ton of pre-orders ton of people like wanted it signed and i was just like why i'm yeah. like 22 years old like why what do you want to do with me like, <laughs> i have a signed really poster weird. from you and kynwin i know yeah. like that's what i mean years from now you guys you broke know. the fucking math rock scene i don't think you recognize how like everybody was waiting for like the next breakout artist in this niche and there here you guys come like just like blazing with two incredible eps and that's what i mean we're on the cusp of the lp that everyone's been highly anticipating so it's been a wild ride yeah it was i mean it was wild for me because i you know my friend julian he started his own business he called it like a touring uber so basically usually when you go on tour you have to rent the vehicle uh your band drives uh or you get a driver and that's how most bands do it he would offer his driving services um as well as his roadieing services and his vehicle all in a one package. So I was like, yeah, if that's going to work for any band, it's going to be us because there's two people. Hell yeah. And his business is called his business is called Tall Man Small Man because his last name's Tall Man. And he's a small man. <laughs> awesome. So works out. So we we packed into the small van and it yeah, it was our first ever tour. So um at the time I had been taking my last theory class and I needed this class to graduate. Um so I could have taken it the next semester, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to get it done now because I really hate going to theory. It was like 10 in the morning, which doesn't sound too bad. But, you know, if you are a college kid and you stay up late and stuff, it's misery. And yeah. like every week, fewer and fewer people would show up. But the teacher would get around this by saying, if you miss more than three classes, you get an automatic fail. Ooh. I don't care. Woof. You need to like give me a valid excuse like you are to have cancer or something if you want me to excuse it. So I was like, okay, this is, I have to work around this. This is my obstacle. Cause I told, I was like, Hey, I'm going on tour. He's like, okay, are you want to take this next semester? And I was like, uh, uh no, no, no. He's like, okay, you're <laughs> only going to miss three classes. Right. It's like, yeah. So I booked the whole tour to be only three weeks so that we could get there. And I booked around spring break so that I could get there and back. And if I didn't get back in time, I would fail the class. Wow. So High I, I was so, t so to do that, we had to leave the day at the day of the class. Um, so I, I did the class and then immediately we left so I could get my like, you know, one class in and we had to get from L.A. to Austin, Texas in 26 hours. So that meant first day, 14 hour drive, second day, 12 hour drive. Damn. And then the next day we had a show, our first show of the tour. Um, so did that. And then went all around the country and just met tons of people that I was just like, people were telling me stuff like, oh, man, I, I listen to this song all the time. And someone like, hey, I auditioned a music school with your song. I was just like, dude, what? This is unreal. Yes. Like, so cool. And then crossing into like, you know, Philly, meeting Doug for the first time. Like, it was so sick. Like, all these people just packing like weird spaces kind of like before the first tour it was really humbling, and especially going to Canada, like, so many people came to those shows. I Fuck was yeah. just floored. Yeah, like, we sold out both shows. 
And I was just like, how? How it's is the it scene, dude. It's the music. It's, <laughs> it's so crazy. it's a, a beautiful it's, thing. It's crazy. And so yeah, that was the moment I was like, okay, this is like this is gonna be a big part of my life. And yeah, we made it back in time. Uh, I went to class and uh I felt like I had like conquered the world. So I had like we drove like nine thousand miles in right. three weeks. True. And uh yeah, and so we got back and everyone in classes, you know, they're just acting like it's a normal day. And I get back and I'm just like, I'm waiting for someone to ask me how my tour was. Right. <laughs> so I get to, I'm waiting. I'm just waiting. And like one person was like, hey, hey, Marcos, you were gone for a while. How how was your tour? And I was like, it was pretty good. That's amazing. <laughs> hey, cool. Keep it on the radar. Yep. It's all right. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean. And it's like, it's crazy. It just always feels like there's the, just the next step. Like, it never feels like uh, the project ever slows down. Um, and just right after that, like, the whole summer um, was even crazier. Uh, but, I mean, that's, I, I guess I answered your question already. So, for keep sure. going with that. Yeah. No, it's just, it's uh, amazing seeing how far you've come. I guess uh, another question uh, I had for you was just uh, in general, we've seen that from the get go, you were playing with some of your influences like uh, Covet. Uh, who are some of your current uh, favorite bands that you would like to tour with in the future? I would love to tour with Cara Cara Bonito. I think it would be so fun to do like a cutesy like fruit thing. Oh, um, that's right. Yes. I, yeah. I have some new tracks that kind of sound a little bit more up that alley versus like the traditional math rock thing from like the first two EPs. But yeah, um, that would that would be a really cool tour. I'd still love to tour with Sean um, because I feel like our vibe is kind of similar. Oh, uh, for sure. Like kind of like a happy, heavy rock and roll thing. So that would be super cool. Um, I want to tour with the 1975. I know it won't go well, but I think it'd just be fun <laughs> to do. They're a really cool band, actually. I, I thought that story. they were, yeah, I thought that they were lame, but, uh, that's just cause like, I thought they were like a five seconds of summer thing, but they're actually really cool, artistic. Last two albums are really good. I really, really like those and pretty inspirational. Very cool. And that's one question I have for you that I'm not sure you're going to even be able to answer. I was looking forward to seeing you again this year on a tour with a band called Shingard, which as listeners know, I have a record label. And like I said, I like Screamo and stuff. And I, Shingard's blowing up that their own niche. So it was cool to see that a Shingard and Standards tour was on the horizon. But then of course we had this whole pandemic bullshit happen. Um, is there any plans to revive that in the future, maybe 2021, or is it still kind of too early to tell yeah i mean it's 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 tough like we're in a really really tough time um like i had a bunch of tours lined up and so a lot of things with tours like sometimes uh you have like different plans for different times of the year and so if that doesn't line up again i wouldn't be surprised but i hope that it does that would be really cool um but yeah it was a specific tour for a specific time so right. if we did it again it would look a little different okay um not really sure how it would go, but I have a very long time to think about it. I think people that think that shows are coming back like within a year are very are optimistic. Optimistic, I, yeah, I, just, I'm with you. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. Oh, that's yeah. so upsetting and just the realistic uh, view of it. Have you thought about Zoom concerts? Since it's only a uh, two-person band, like, just going to garage. You sound like my mom. <laughs> like my, mom. my mom my mom has these my mom has these crazy ideas what is uh, she is she she was like pushing this on me for like a week she was like marcos you know what you need to do 
need to do a drive-in concert. And I'm like, <laughs> how? We're Some a massive rock band. We're not like, I'm not John Mayer. No one's going to come <laughs> and see me at a drive-in concert. She's like, no, 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 no. She's like, no, no, no. You just go, you just go to a parking lot. All you have to do is get a stage. <laughs> and then you just God get up on there. It. I'm like, okay, you need stage lights if it's outdoor you need a bathroom you need a crew <laughs> that's like i'm already five grand in the hole mom yeah, but just from the, what you're ask. saying right now that's like a five thousand dollar thing and she was like oh i could help you pay for it i'm like no i'm not gonna <laughs> anything. i'm just gonna hit hit Take like live on instagram and she was like oh yes. i thought i thought it was a good idea and i'm like Yes, because you have so much experience in the music industry. <laughs> it's definitely going to help me. It came from like, oh, the right place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it... it and, uh, yeah, the, the thing that actually got her to shut up is that, um, in a, in a, not like in a mean way, but like in an you. interview with, uh, with, uh, I forgot who it was, but, um, Somebody. Robert Flynn from, uh, Machine Head, mm-hmm. someone asked him, like, hey, would you ever do a driving concert? And he was like, "No, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard." And I just, I just sent her a screenshot of that, Ta-da. and I was like, "Yeah, I don't know if anyone else is gonna like this." She's like, "Okay, I'm, I'll stop." Yeah, <laughs> there you go. That's perfect. <laughs> but what if you did it in Fortnite? Oh They've god, been doing concerts. Yeah, in- Fortnite. They've been. Doing I would do stuff a Minecraft like show. Yeah, American football did that in Minecraft. Well, and that's the thing. I just saw, uh, there's a, there is an Instagram, like, uh, social distance fest is what they call it. And it's an account where they do have various bands play at different time slots, mainly Screamo. Like, so it's super up my alley, but that's what I mean. It seems like we're going to have to adapt in that way. So do you think you will be doing some live streams? Um, I, the only live streams I've done so far are just on my own social media. And, um, I'm pretty comfortable with it because it's just like I'm practicing, but then people are watching and yeah, I, I honestly feel more uh, open to the idea of just working on new releases right now. Cause I mean, the standard discography was pretty bare for before the LP was recorded mm-hmm. and I, I've always wanted to make more music, but it's always like I'm on tour and that is like in itself, just like a very grueling experience. It's like, you have no time to do anything on tour so it's like I'm finally home. If I if this does pick up again, I know I'm gonna get pressure to do more tours and go to more places. And people already like like yourself really wanted to see us. So it's like I'm gonna do that. I'd rather just record a bunch of stuff now and just take advantage and solely concentrate on that. Um, and I, I've also been having a lot of fun just working on other projects that aren't standards. Like there's so many things I've always wanted to do, and it's like oh, I'll do that someday when there's time. This is Definitely. that time. Like, there's gonna be no more time. Uh, I'm finally graduating from art school at the end of this year. It's like, congrats. So now I'm in the real world. It's like, yeah, it's 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 cool, but it's also like, all right, so gonna have to do something to you know make a living. And it's like, I'd rather take this time that I have, this kind of like small window, and just kind of create. So that's kind of where my head's at, and. um you know, if there's a cool opportunity to play with some cool artists, I definitely think about it. But I'm not like super going out of my way, you know. Gotcha. That makes sense. All right. Well, yeah. I'm very glad to uh, elaborate on to our listeners your background in music. I did want to ask you a few quick video game questions. In fact, do you even consider yourself <laughs> much of a gamer? Because I feel like I asked you when we first met, and I think your f- original answer was no. But it seems like you might be playing games these days. Yeah, I'm, uh, so as far as video games go, I was kind of never really the gaming type, uh, just because my mom was, like, very, like, oh, I don't know about that, but, um, I actually bought a PS4 a few months ago. Awesome. 
I was really upset because I bought it and I could never play it because I was always on tour. Like I got it and I came like three days before tour Mm -hmm. and then I came back and I had a bunch of homework to do. So I couldn't I could never really use it. So because of coronavirus, I've actually been able to play video games a lot. Um, That seems to be a recurring thread. Yep. Yeah. But I'm a I'm a really I don't know. I don't think people are going to be a fan of my video game choices. I feel don't like sweat, dude. I, make f- I, everyone talks shit on my choices, so don't worry about it. Doug likes Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> okay, exactly. I knew Bren was going to throw me under the bus. Uh, no, but what have you been playing these days? Well, I guess I'll start with like kind of what I had played in the past. So my dad let me have a, a Game Boy, and he got me a PS2 in like 2012. So this is way past the time of the PS2. So okay. I was the only one playing PS2. It's, it's really such funny. a good system, though. Like it, it, a lot of people were playing that, even to this day. I feel like, yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've been thinking about getting one, but then it's like I already have a PS4, so it's like I'll just, I'll just do it. But I guess the games that I, the only games I ever played before this year that I really, really got into, um, was like, uh, so for for Game Boy, I really liked like anything that I was watching currently. So like Yu Gi Oh is a huge fan. Mm-hmm. Got like a Yu Gi Oh game, Crash Bandicoot on Game Boy. Um, this is like a very brief amount of time in like 2005 that I played. Um, and then uh, I had the PS2 and I played Battlefront 2, Star Wars Battlefront 2. And is. that was like one of my all time mm-hmm. favorite video games because I used to play that at friends' houses in like 2004 or 2005. And um, I thought it was like the best game ever. Like that's yeah. all I wanted to do. And then all my friends would be like, let's go outside. I don't want to play this anymore. I'm like, no, please. <laughs> but I what if? Play this game. <laughs> <laughs> my mom was like, "No, you don't get any video games. You're gonna you're gonna work on a skill, and you're gonna be a skilled person." I was like, no, <laughs> "Please, please." I so, mean, as as someone played a lot of video games and has no skills, I think yep. your mom might be right. <laughs> she was right, but come on, I wanted to be on Battlefront, <laughs> man. Let me indulge a little. Yeah. So that was that was my favorite. I love that there is different classes. Like oh, I yeah. love Star Wars. I still love Star Wars. And like so that you could be a soldier in Star Wars and be a different class and like mm-hmm. oh man, it was so it was so much that fun. That game still holds yeah. up. It's so, it's so good. And like the fighter uh, the the, space the battles, battles in space. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was that was sick. I I'd say the only other game that I played more than that would be Minecraft because like I got a computer cuz I was like, "Oh, I have to do, you know, work and um I think I tricked my parents into getting me a computer and a microphone when I first started making music because I told them I was going to do a podcast, which I never did. So I like tricked them. and I was like, hey, we should get this microphone and interface so that I can make a podcast when I really intended on recording my little guitar at the time. So I got a computer, too. And that's when I like figured like that's around the time like Minecraft came out. And I was like, this is the best game ever because I was like, you could just do anything. So mm-hmm. I, I play that game a lot. I really liked Minecraft, um, like a lot, a lot, a lot. And so that's pretty much where my video game journey ended until this year um, when I got a PS4. And I just wanted something to do in case I was ever stressed out with music because, you know, kind of going back to all the stuff I was saying before, it, it all becomes kind of a lot of pressure. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, like at, at first it's like you do it for all the all the right reasons. It's like it's fun. You have a bunch of free time. And then like I think the thing that people don't understand about doing music as a living is how little you actually play music. Like you really don't play music at all. And it's crazy cuz I've been able to just do that now and I I've forgotten what it's like to just be able to do that. Cuz if you go on tour, it's like you're in a in a van all day 
And then you get out, you have to set up all your shit and do like a sound check. And then, you know, it's like you haven't eaten in like, like all day. So it's time to go eat. And then you come back and the show started and it's like, what are you going to do? Lock yourself in the bathroom and like practice guitars? Like there's no time for that. <laughs> no. And yeah, so you do, you, you watch the bands, you play your show, you go to the merch booth and you sell merch and like talk to people and then you pack it up and you try to find a place to stay. You go to sleep and you wake up and you do it all again. Mm-hmm. And that's your life. And it has nothing to do with music. Um, writing a re- like recording has nothing to do with music. You're just trying to create something. Like, most of the time, smaller bands don't have the budget that bands used to back in the day when, you know, labels were just kind of bankrolling everything. It's like, you you go in a studio and you have, like, limited time. So, you're just, like, cranking out stuff. Um, and, I mean, Jesus, like, the amount of meetings that I've had to do this year, like, I, I being on a record label has its perks, but it's, like, just so much stuff you have to sync. What quantities are you doing for these labels? Where's the art assets? Do we have all this stuff shared and synced? What day is this thing going out? In what markets is it going out? It's so much stuff. To just, yep. It's never-ending. And mm-hmm. it, it's, like, everybody forgets that it's, like, me playing guitar riffs exactly yeah it's like it really is so that was kind of my investment into the video game thing and i didn't even know what i wanted to play but i saw that they had a new battlefront and i was like that sounds sick okay well listen i was just going to mention that it's the free game of this month and listener you might be on the very edge of that deadline so if you want to get it uh if you're a PlayStation Plus member, the free games this month are Call of Duty World War II and Star Wars Battlefront Two. But it's the 2017 remake. Not it's not the same game as the one you were talking about on, on PS2. PS2. But I'm curious, do you right. enjoy this one? Well, okay. So when I was in college, I went to real college. My my um my roommate had gotten the first one. He got the pre order. It was a Battlefront like a remake. Yep. And I was very, con- I was super stoked because I was like, of course, I love the original Battlefront uh, series. And so I played it a lot, but it was like his game system. So I would like learn when he went to class and then I'd play it. And then when he came <laughs> back, I would just like, like pretend like I didn't, like it wasn't like I wasn't supposed to, but I was also right. just not trying to be, be like a fiend around him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I thought that game, I thought that game was sick. I also had really low standards and expectations. So um, I got Battlefront 2. And uh, I played it offline until very recently, which is really funny. I I <laughs> I was like not gonna drop the money because I at, like I said I I was never gonna be home anyway. So what's the point of getting sucked in this online thing? Right. So I trained a lot offline with the bots, and I got really like used to it. And um, yeah, it was really helpful when the when coronavirus first started because it was just like really depressing. Like I canceled all the tours. Yeah, all the stuff's canceled. Everybody's like scared about dying and get hospitalized and then it's like oh you know i'll just sit in my room and play battlefront and it was yeah. really cool i got online for the first time and it was a blast um and uh, i actually found friends that have played the game this whole time and so we started playing together and that was super fun um but now i've gotten really into it and it's probably one of the only games that i play now um I'm just like so sucked into it, and I, I, I am not gonna, you know, I don't, I don't want to, you know, boast, but I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> I've got I'm, some I'm hours. I'm pretty in good it. at it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty good. There's like a a mode H uh, HVV heroes versus villains, mm. and it's pretty rare I'm not first by like a mile. When in, in oh, that's amazing combat rankings. Yeah, I'm like I'm very very into it. So I play a little less now. Um, 
you know, I've just been having more fun doing music. Mm-hmm. But um, I've been getting really into it. I still play it. I'll probably play it for a very long time. It's just a really great game. I think it's like really, really awesome. And it's so crazy to find out that when it first came out, it was like so controversial. Like yeah. I didn't know. Yes, because I oh, got the game sure. this year. Yeah, I was. It was a very and it, oh my god, like it was really ugly thing that happened with all those loot boxes and like mm-hmm. it was crazy because like I said, the last time I had really played video games was you know you buy the video game and then you play it and now it's like well you need the (laughs) online pass you need you know the online pass and you need to oh you want to buy this gun you're gonna need to pay five bucks in real life loser like this is i was like damn this sucks now like this is terrible and yes they have like the crystal system like you're buying like like currency but i was so happy to find out yeah i was so happy to find out that when um when i went online it's all cosmetic so it had nothing to do with like you know you could unlock darth vader or whatever because i was like i'm not doing that shit that's that's terrible that's an awful yeah. thing to do so for sure i think that's terrible um way to just do gaming i think ea is like just terrible for that i heard that they do that with other things yeah oh like, they are why, yeah. Why, would, why yeah why would you do why would you do that it's just like you're just pissing people off nobody is like down to do that you know yeah no, it's those white yeah. whales, like we've said in the past, that it's like, oh, I'll spend the money, and it's just like, oh, don't support this. Um, but okay, that's cool to hear about what you've been playing, and this episode's going a little long, but before we let you go, I did want to ask, do you have a little bit of time to play a conversation game with us? Yeah, let's do it. All right, this is a game we like to call Game or No Game. Alright, so this game's very self-explanatory. I just pitch out the title of a video game, and you guys tell me if you think it's real or not. So, let's start with an easy one. Uh, Do you think there's a game called Harry Potter and the Booger of Pooh? Uh, probably not, I'm gonna say. No. It's, it's such an evocative title. It just, it says (laughs) so much. And I remember reading that book... (laughs) So I really want to say they made a video game adaptation, but I'm going to have to go no. Okay, I said we're starting with an easy one. That's a no. Okay, but that's what I mean. Good job. That's how we start the game. I mean, it could have been just magical words. It didn't just have to be poop. It's hard. Okay, well, now now I have a little theme here going. These are all coronavirus related, so let's get those out of the way. Do you think there's a game called Coronavirus Quarantine Simulator? Uh... Are, is it strictly like console or any game at all? So any, any game, game at all. Basically, if it's on Steam, if it's on the Nintendo eShop, it's the PSN store, anything like that. If it's a game you can play, I usually count it, even if it's terrible hentai. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say no on that one just because I feel like people probably didn't do it because it's insensitive or something. <sighs> it's that's tough because there's a lot of simulator Some of- games. Um, it, it's it's real, isn't it? Just say it. It's real. I'll, I'll say yes, just just to see. It's it's definitely real, and it sucks because it, it's just a <laughs> oh, bunch of buzzwords stupid. in a row. And no, and that's what I mean. Okay, very here, dumb. I'll just ruin the next ones. These are all real. Uh, coronavirus <laughs> battlegrounds and COVID nineteen epidemic prevention. But the thing about that one is, it's on Steam for two hundred dollars. It's a VR game, and it has no reviews. I wonder why. It's <laughs> 
Two hundred dollars. Jesus um, Christ. But yeah, so don't support any of these coronavirus games. I was just had to throw those out there. But no, a more challenging one. Do you think there's a game called Barn Finders? Barn Finders. Probably. That sounds like something that like someone would be into. You just find but yeah, I guess is it like a real estate game, but specifically about barns? Um Yeah. I I think that's too weird for you to make up. It is real, and damn it, I thought I could have came Knew up with it. that one, but no, it, it does <laughs> It does look uh, decent. I only got, like, three more for you guys. Do you think there's a game called West of Dead? No. West of Dead. That sounds stupid. I think I have heard of this one, so I'm gonna say yes. Surprisingly, it's a yes, and I know the name does sound stupid, but uh, conceptually, it seems kind of cool. Uh, it's like, hold on, I'll read the little synopsis here it says descend into the grim and gritty world of purgatory in this cover-based shooter which combines the fluidity of twin stick controls and tactical coverage usage so yeah i it's exactly what it describes and the the graphics are very like uh cell shaded very stylized uh kind of cool game definitely one to check out most of the games i mentioned on gamer no game are just throwaway. don't look into these but west of dead surprisingly looks kind of cool um but let's see. Let's uh two more for you guys. Do you think there's a game called Goosebumps Dead of Night? <laughs> I mean, honestly, they've made a lot of Goosebumps stuff. I want to just say yes cuz I feel like any they would just do that. Like I remember owning so many stupid games on Game Boy. Like I owned like the Lion Witch in the Wardrobe video game. It's like stupid. <laughs> it's just like a cash grab. <laughs> That is no. I bet there's like no gameplay at all. It's just. (laughs) I'm gonna look it up right now, actually, because I I remember that video game. But I'm gonna say yes to your to your game, the the Goosebumps Goosebumps one. I feel like they would cash in on it. I I know I have played a Goosebumps games back on the PC, but I think that was like Goosebumps and the Masked Mutant or something else. Ooh. So I'm gonna say no. But just because I think the the subtitle variation of the subtitle, I follow. yeah, I think the subtitle is more specific. Well, Marcos is right on this one. It's a game, uh, Dead of Night. It actually came out fairly recently. It's on Steam, so if you oh. have any interest in the Goosebumps franchise, definitely check that out. So the movie I, tie, I hate, I I hate that all this is a game. Just, yeah, well, <laughs> the, for the most part. Games. Okay, that's what I mean. Last one. Do you think there's a game called A Life of Regret? Is it this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> uh... Dude, I'm going to go no, because these have all been yeses. I'm going to go yes, because they've all been yeses. I feel like they just ran through the list. Marcus called me out on my strategy. Ah, That's the thing. I didn't have that many no's this time. But no, Marcus is right. That's a no game. That's how we play game or no game. All right, well, then we can wrap Dude. this episode up. Thanks so much for joining us, Marcus. It's been a real blast uh, getting to listen about your musical journey. Uh, can you maybe do some plugs and tell our listeners where to find you on the internet or where they can listen to your band? I'm just real I'm just real quick watching a video on YouTube. Uh, the Lion, the Witch, the Lord. game I'd mentioned. Yeah. Yes. This game sucks. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I mean. My parents, my poor parents, they spent money on this and I played this. I played this game probably for 100 hours. 
and it sucks. <laughs> this game this looks so stupid. It sounds okay. like they got oh the money's my worth. God. <laughs> yeah, it's so pixelated. Wow, they'll just make a video game about anything. Uh, plug pretty much my band standards. <laughs> um, plug this podcast. This has been so much fun. Thanks for having me on the show, and it's so nice meeting you, Brendan. Um, yeah, nice to meet you too. And, yeah, and uh, yeah, we got a new record coming out this summer. It's called Fruit Island, and you can pre-order it now on our website or on the Top Shelf Records website. Um, you can just go to www.standards-band.com, and you can find everything there. And go and check out our music, and tell me what you think about all those crazy stories that I said. Some of them I did not share. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's all That's all my plugs. Awesome. And Brent, how about you? You have another podcast. Tell our listeners about that. Yeah, I'm on Twitter, ABTSBrendan. And yeah, my other podcast is Are Weeb There Yet? where we watch a bunch of anime and then talk about it. We're nerds. Um, I believe as of this episode, we're finally getting around to watching the Ghost in the Shell movie. That episode's recorded way back. We're finally releasing it after some hiatus. So I think we're back on the road. Very cool. And yeah, listener, if you like our show, give us a like, follow, subscribe. We're findable at all the places at ABT Silence. And I have a record label. It's MissedOutRecords.com. It's just a bunch of uh, emo, screamo, and math rock if you're interested. Uh, check that stuff out at MissedOutRecords.com. But we will be back next week. Again, thanks so much for joining us, Marcos. See you guys. See you. Later. Later.